1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Okay, the official real estate sales numbers for June were released earlier this week. What can you tell us? You know, they've been, they've been pretty strong. They, uh, the numbers are down compared to May. And when we're talking about you know, getting into that typical market behavior territory we're in it right now and you know sales were up over last june uh, we were up 28.5 percent however compared to may we were down a little bit and again that is a typical year because may is a lot busier than june june july august start to cool down a little bit so we are uh, getting into that area where there's some relief for buyers finally so home sales are down. Does that mean there are bargains to be had? It doesn't necessarily mean that there's bargains to be had. It doesn't necessarily mean that home sales are down overall. What it does mean is with less multiple offers, because we're starting to see the reason that price was up was we were down 20% overall in terms of active listings. And that drove price up a little bit, even though sales were down from May. But what that shows is the typical price right now is it, it, for June is a million eighty nine, and that's probably one of the highest price points that we've seen in real estate history for average price points. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there's all these deals out there. What it does mean is there's less competition for buyers as sales start to come down. That means there's less people looking for houses, and that's driving the buyers back into the market because there's a lot of buyer fatigue out there. And now what we're seeing is the buyers are getting back into the market. They're getting homes with maybe three or four competing offers. They're not paying the crazy 60 or $70,000 over asking on a typical home. Some of the homes are still getting 300, 400,000 over asking because they're absolutely stunning and there's nothing like it around. But on a typical home, you might be competing with three or four offers. Now, you mentioned that this is more of a a traditional market, and you wouldn't necessarily compare June of 2021 to June of 2020, right? It might be more like June of 2019? Yeah, and and June of 2020 was still pretty strong. It was when we started to bounce back. And so when when we look at those numbers, yeah, we're, we're up 30%. It's pretty typical. We're not up the 300 and 400% that we were used to with uh, May and April sales because we did pretty much nothing during those months last year. But what we're starting to see now is numbers falling into place where they should be. Uh, you know, 11,000 sales in a month of June is pretty typical. And what we'll see over the next six months, Tina, is a bit of a, a rude awakening because we could see sales at par with last year. We may even see some months dip below last year because last year the spring market was a little bit delayed and it was back-ended, which meant everything happened after June. This year being more typical, you're going to start to see 
sales fall back into the typical pattern. People are going to take holidays in July and August again and, and start traveling as people get vaccinated. And that's going to reflect on the heat of the housing market. Were there areas either here in York Region or in Toronto that were hotter than others? It was right across the board. I mean, if you're looking for deals, Georgina in York Region is still a great deal. It's the only place in York Region where the average price point is under a million dollars right now. So there are a lot of people. And there's some new houses, beautiful new houses being built in in Keswick and, you know, in around Georgina. You're starting to see more families move up there because, again, remember, there's a lot of people that are going to continue to work from home the option for people to school from home is there as well. So people are not afraid to move up into areas where typically they may not have gone because of commute times or schools. And what do you think is driving the market? Is it that intergenerational wealth that we're hearing a great deal about right now? Is it the cost of borrowing? What is it? It's a combination of everything. And and the fact that people have realized that no matter what happens, home is their their base. And you're starting to see people even that were renting for years and years making that jump into home ownership. And even if they're going out farther and farther, we had a client go out to Dunville, Ontario, which is almost uh, Fort Erie, because that was what they could afford and they've been renting for years. So people are making that jump into home ownership. They know it's a solid asset. They can touch it. They can feel it. They know it's going to appreciate. And that's what we're seeing is they're taking advantage of the lower rates. They're taking advantage of, you know, having some money saved up over the pandemic and putting it towards their home. And do you think those interest rates will rise? Even if they do rise, it won't be significant enough to drive people out of home ownership. If it goes up, it might go up a quarter point or a half a point. Over the next year or so, I mean, they, they have said that they won't touch the rates. We'll have to see what happens after, you know, we start coming out of all of the lockdowns and all three phases open up. We're going to have to see what happens, what transpires, and how people come out of that and what the Bank of Canada decides. But I don't see rates going anywhere till maybe 2024. And for those on the market for a new home, what is inventory like? Inventory is down right now. So right now we're down about 17% or so in, uh, sorry, 19% in inventory. And if you look at a typical market, we're right around the point where we were in 2016, 2017. We, our buyers will thrive when inventory is, you know, at par with last month or similar to the previous year. But when inventory is down 17%, that's a significant chunk, or 19% is a significant chunk to take out of the market. And that's what's driving the price up. And when you look at the price up in double digits, that's not very healthy. It's a lot healthier than when we were seeing, you know, over the last few months, prices increasing 30 40%, 17% for the month of June is not that bad. We'd like to see it around, you know, normal price increase is about 6 to 8%. That's healthy. Even if it's 10%, that's okay. 17% is not as healthy as we want it to be because it's not sustainable. But when you start getting into the 30s and 40s, that's scary. So having the price increase 
is getting used for buyers. And still, when you're when you're a seller, this is not bad news for sellers. The, the average price is still overall for the year year to date. It's still a million seventy five right across the board. Mm-hmm. So that's still getting used for sellers. It's not that the sellers are taking a hit and the buyers are you know, able to capitalize on that. This is a great market for everyone. Okay, so that's what I wanted to ask you about were what are the sellers' expectations in this market right now? Are they still expecting to get way over asking? Are they still expecting those bidding wars on their homes? This is where an experienced realtor comes in really handy to a seller because what we're still seeing is people pricing homes as they were in April or May and, you know, that is when they were pricing them two, $300,000 below asking, and then they were ending up with, you know, three, $400,000 over asking as the selling price. And if you look at what's happening in the market, there's a lot of cancellations of listings and relists, which means that they're going back on the market after they cancel their listing because nobody came and gave them what they wanted when they priced it too low. And this is where you need your realtor to guide you to say, hey, that's an older strategy. You can't use that in this market. That would have worked in March or April or May. It's not going to work now. And if you price your home properly at market value, it's going to sell within the first two weeks, maybe even the first week. But you're starting to get away from the multiple offer, the bidding wars, and you're starting to move into a situation where offers are open anytime. You can offer on a property anytime. And when an agent recognizes but that's where we're at. The seller has a better opportunity to get the most out of their home. After the break, buyer's remorse. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. On the Market is back. I'm Tina Cortez, and this is York Region's only radio real estate show. Over to my co-host, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is a regular uh, from from our show over the last few years, Ricky Rathor. And Ricky is a partner at Rathor Bank Law Firm and the owner of Remax Metropolis. Ricky, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Ricky, we've heard uh, a few stories coming out recently where buyers have won the bidding war and then had buyer remorse and decided, hey, I will just not submit a deposit and I'm out of this deal. Tell us a little bit about what happens in that situation and how accurate is that reasoning? So, Aziz and Tina, at the end of the day, it all comes back to the contract, right? We've talked about this. You know, the contract is like the sun. Everything revolves around it. And more often than not, the contract will say, for example, time is of the essence, okay? So when an agreement is struck, the deposit that the buyer has agreed to pay is the minimum amount that the buyer has agreed to forfeit in the event of a default on the buyer's end. So in simple English, what this means is, is that whether you put the deposit down or not, that contract is still binding as it's seen as a good faith deposit. And so we see this happen. We see this all the time where, you know, buyers have been up against several offers. They finally win and then they go home. They get a nice email from the agent saying that, you remember your deposit's due by 9 p.m. tomorrow. Now the buyers are talking to their friends, their family, they're expressing excitement. And all of a sudden everybody's saying, well, maybe you purchased it for too much, 
Or did you know that there was another property that was just down the road that's, you know, coming up on the market next week? And all of a sudden it goes back to that whole remorse element. In this situation, unfortunately for the buyer, if your deal is firm, you are bound to that contract and not putting down that deposit does not give you an out of the agreement. So you have to be prepared to lose that deposit if you want out of the agreement. Well, that's the minimum amount you're prepaying. And what you're doing is you're agreeing to lose that as a minimum amount. So now let's say the sellers are put on notice that the deposit is late. So the agent's job is to very clearly voice to the seller the fact that the deposit has not made it to the office in time. Uh, and at that point, what should happen is the seller should serve the buyers and let them know that they're in breach for failing to put the deposit and time is of the essence. And the sellers would then proceed to mitigate loss. Now, what that means is, is that the seller will try to resell the property for as much as possible, acting reasonably. And in the event that the seller suffers a loss uh, relative to what they sold the property to the original purchaser for, they can go after that uh, defaulted buyer that had that remorse. And Ricky, signing under seal, tell us a little bit about what that means, because when a buyer signs an offer, they're actually signing under seal. So maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what that entails and why that binds the buyer. Yeah, so I mean, if you, if you think back to, to hundreds of years ago, we had signet rings and seals and, you know, we used to dip rings in, in wax and seal documents off to show that they were really official. The seals today are pre-printed, and more often than not, buyers and sellers don't even realize that they're on the agreement. So it's the agent's job to explain to the client uh, that you are signing the document under seal. Now, why is the seal relevant today? The seal is seen as a form of consideration. Every legally binding contract requires something. Both parties have to do something, provide something of value. Now, courts normally don't care. I could say, Asif, I'm going to give you a dollar for the keys to your Mercedes, and if that's the agreement, the courts don't care that you made a bad deal. They just care that you got something in exchange, whether it's a promise, an act, what have you. So what the seal does is it acts as a form of consideration, and as far as the agreement of purchase and sale is concerned, when you're using the ORIA agreements, which is what most agents are using, those seals render the enforceability of the irrevocability provision. Now, before I get too technical, in simple English, when you make an offer, if you go to the grocery store today, you pick up a chocolate bar, you put it on the conveyor belt, you're making an offer to purchase that chocolate bar. If you choose before that offer is accepted by the cashier, you can take it off the, the conveyor belt and say, I don't want the chocolate bar anymore. You can withdraw that offer. So that's called revocation of an offer. Our standard OREA documents are typically made irrevocably, meaning once you've signed it, and it's been sealed, and you've submitted the offer to the seller, you cannot withdraw that offer until it expires, which means that as a buyer, you better think it through and understand what you're doing, because once you've signed next to that seal and that offer has been communicated, you are no longer in a position to revoke it, and it will only come to an end if it dies uh, in the sense that the irrevocability lapses. Up until that point, the seller has the option of accepting it, rejecting it, or countering, but you've lost that control of that ball. You've thrown it in the seller's court. So, Ricky, do you have any advice then for those who maybe should try to avoid buyer's remorse? How do we avoid that feeling, that road? So, Tina, I think the answer to that question, I mean, it's a very emotional process, right? You're, you're, this is one of the mm -hmm. largest purchase, uh, purchases or sales for most people. And, and, you know, we see it on the other side, too. Like, right now we're talking about buyers, but a lot of sellers have remorse, too. And the funny part is the seller doesn't put down a deposit in an agreement of purchase and sale. So we see it on both ends of the transaction. I think before you take 
a step and make such a critical decision for yourself, your family, uh, and whoever might be important in that transaction, it's really critical to sit down with your agent, understand what you're getting into, understand your rights, understand your obligations. And, and if you think you need legal advice, consult with a lawyer, because once you sign, it can become quite complicated uh, to go back on your word. And again, you know, there's, there's a famous quote from Ray Kroc in the McDonald's Sounder movie where he says, promises, uh, contracts like hearts are made to be broken as long as you can pay for it. And that's the reality in the real world, too. Contracts are broken daily, but the people that are breaking them usually have the, uh, the financial wherewithal to be able to follow through with those breaches. And it depends on how fundamental those breaches are. So if there is remorse, I think urgently speak with your attorney and see if there's something in the contract that, that affords you the ability to get out. And if not, at the very least, understand what your obligations might be, because sitting you know, with your, with your eyes covered by your hands is not going to get you out of the contract. <laughs> Henry, let's turn the tables a little bit. And what about seller's remorse? When a seller decides that, hey, they may not have gotten as much as they wanted during the multiple offers, but they have accepted an agreement to sell their property, does this apply to them as well when they say, hey, I don't want to sell to you anymore. I'll give you your deposit back. How does that work? Sure, it does. And so, Asif, here's the thing. I've, I've actually encountered situations in my capacity as a lawyer where a seller will call me and say, my agent didn't do a very good job. My agent didn't notify everybody else that there was another offer on the table. And my agent got a call in the morning after we accepted an offer for an agent, you know, who wanted to make a higher bid. And now, you know, we're losing $50,000. We're really upset about that. Can we get out of the deal? So unfortunately, again, in this situation, once the contract is entered into, unless there's something in the, in the agreement that lets the seller out, the sellers are stuck. And so if the sellers say, look, we're not accepting your deposit, we're not going to go ahead with this transaction, do what you got to do, then the buyer again would seek legal advice because if they've gotten a good deal or they want to proceed with the transaction, the buyer can then in effect put them on notice and say that we are now going to mitigate our loss. We're going to find a comparable property in the same, same or similar area. And in the event that we have to overpay for that property acting reasonably, we will come after you for the difference as well. The only difference there is that the sellers will put down a deposit, but that doesn't mean that their obligations are anything. Hmm. Have you witnessed buyers or sellers' remorse, especially in this market where bidding wars are commonplace? Absolutely. It's common practice at my law office to handle these sorts of situations. Uh, we're sending out uh, letters you know, pretty regularly now uh, saying that your deposit's late. And, and I mean, quite frankly, once we do send a letter, usually we get the deposit right after that. Right? Uh, I think a lot of um, buyers just need a reality check. It, it, is, it is common to see it on the sales side as well, but it's, 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 it's a lot more rare than it is on a purchase. And Ricky, so just for our listeners again, 24 hours is the standard time or what's written in the agreement of purchase and sale for the, de- the buyer to submit their deposit to the listing brokerage or as per the instructions within the contract. Maybe just clarify that for our listeners? Sure. So if you're using the standard OREA agreement, there's typically three provisions in there. The first one is herewith. Herewith means that the offer and check go hand in hand. The second provision is upon acceptance, which basically means that the deposit has to be delivered within 24 hours of the confirmation of acceptance being signed. The third provision is as otherwise described. So sometimes buyers have their money locked up in a TFSA or they've got money that's tied up in a GIC. They can't get it within the 24 hours or immediately, so then you can put a provision in the schedule 
which will stipulate that the deposit will be paid by a certain day and time. And, and normally, many brokerages, especially today, are putting in a default provision saying that the deposit's due on the first banking day by no later than 8 or 9 p.m. Ricky, great information as always. If our listeners need more information about buyers or sellers remorse, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can call me through the office at 905-554-7465. Again, 905-554-7465. That's awesome. Thanks a lot, Ricky, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, guys. My pleasure. When we come back, your questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions, and we start with Anne in Durham Region. She is planning a move to York Region, hopefully before September. She wants to put you on the spot, Asif. Where in York Region should she be looking? Where's the hot spot? Well, great question, Anne, and it really depends on what you're looking for in terms of lifestyle, in terms of amenities, and... Uh, you know, the surroundings, the demographics. So, you know, once we can ask you those questions and we'll be able to put you in the right area. If you're looking to move into an area which is close to the 407, I mean, a lot of Durham region, the north part, you're right on the 407, makes it really convenient. And there's a lot of places that you can be in Markham, Richmond Hill, Vaughan, that would still allow you that luxury of being right by the 407. If you were looking for you know, larger properties by water, you may want to go up to the Keswick area. Uh, It really depends on what you're looking for and your price point and the demographics that you want to uh, surround yourself with. That is, uh, you know, those are probably the key questions that I would ask you, and I'd be able to provide you with the, the right opportunities in the right areas. You often see those surveys about the best places to live, whether it's in the province or in the country. How do they determine those lists, and how does that play into, you know, the work that you provide your clients and someone looking to make a move like Anne is here? There's a lot of different ways that they can do that. They typically use something called a walk score, which is it shows you what amenities are around all the different areas. It shows you the demographics of the area, the income levels of the area, the schools in the area, and the quality of life that people experience within those areas. And that's done through surveys and, and typically asking you know, a few hundred people what they think of the area that they're in and uh, also appreciation, uh, what the price points are, what the typical appreciation is, affordability. That all goes into classifying places as the top 10 or top 20 places in the country. All right. Our next question comes from Jackson and Markham. He wants to know if the increased value that a pool, a backyard space, an entertainment room will continue, or now that we are heading out of the pandemic, will those areas of a home no longer be a draw to a property? Asif, what do you think? Great question again, and I think those are going to continue. I think COVID has really changed the way that people think. And if you really think about people's attitudes and and what they are facing when they're out there, there's a lot of hesitation. You know, people 
may not have to wear masks in certain instances and in parts of the country or in the states, but you still see them wearing masks. And COVID really has changed. And just think about when you're walking in and meeting someone, you know, that typically what you would want to do is shake their hand first. And now there's hesitation. People don't do that anymore. It's really changed. And we're going to start to see that as well. People will feel more comfortable in their backyard oasis than they may with thousands of strangers on a cruise ship. So I think the entertainment areas, the backyard oasis, the home offices, those are still going to be huge draws moving forward. And it'll be a long, long time before that goes away. So are you still seeing that with your clients? that they want that pool, they want the entertainment area, they want that larger space overall. They really do. And a lot of our clients, uh, you know, if not most of them, have, uh, you know, put into their wants and their needs that they do want a pool, they want a hot tub, they want a larger yard, they want more space in the house, they want a home office. And this is what's driving people to the larger homes, the larger lots. And you know, it wasn't too long ago that we had uh, Frankie Flowers on the show, and he was saying that the number one rental right now is a backyard office space. Mm-hmm. So people are converting sheds into offices or decks into office space because that's where they feel comfortable doing their work. They they want to be in a safe environment for their children, for themselves, and uh, a nice quiet space to work. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners have more questions and prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Well, they can always reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. That's our show for this week. If you missed any part of On the Market, go to 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.